Welcome to A Revolution to Lead podcast, where we talk about the movement that changed everything, that there's a new life, a new way that is available to all people, that brings us from a mundane, obscure reality into one full of purpose, meaning, and hope. Today, we have Pastor Mike Meganson of Three Circle Church in Fairhope, Alabama, and four other locations as well. So you can go look those up. Link will be in the, bu- in the show notes. And Pastor Mike and I talk about heaven today. So Pastor Mike has a new book coming out at the beginning of next year called Chasing Heaven. And we dive into what Chasing Heaven is all about. So I hope you enjoy this phenomenal conversation with an even better man. Pastor Mike Meganson. So yeah. Let's... Oh, that's me. And um, let's see, this will be 39 years of ministry okay. under, under the belt, um, in the books, so to speak. Um, tried to retire recently. April. I was about to ask you about that. Yeah, tried to, tried to retire <laughs> April a year ago of uh, last year. And um, to to do some more writing and and to write the finish up the the chasing heaven book, and um, this opportunity came along uh, to partner with uh, Florabama, which is a, a bar down in uh, Orange Beach, Alabama, on the Florida Alabama line. Um, uh, they needed a, a partner church to work with them, and so they approached our home church, Three Circle Church, there in Fairhope. About the possibility of partnering with them, and and um, so as a result of that, our lead pastor Chris Bell reached out to me and said, "Hey, I know you're retired, but would you consider uh, doing a Tom Brady?" (laughs) 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 And uh, my first response was, "Well, yeah, if it's a Tom Brady salary, for sure, sign me up." But no, he, he kind of shared the idea about what, what God was doing there at um, what we now call Worship on the Water there on the beach uh, in Orange Beach. And the more I got to thinking about it, the more it appealing it be- became. You know, if it was just a regular uh, normal church, I probably wouldn't have considered it. But this right. is so outside the box that we're doing church in a bar. Right. You know, a big, world-famous Florabama bar. Um Reaching people that probably would never set foot in a traditional church, right? You know, they just, sure. just wouldn't go. Not even to to um, a happening church like Three Circle or some right. other, you know, really um, uh, effective church. Probably just wouldn't go because they probably wouldn't feel apart. But yeah, they're coming to a bar. Um, for one thing, and and I just think it's cool that that as they come, they get something else. You know, they come, right. they walk in, they they yeah, they may go to the bar and get a drink, and then they turn around and they realize there's church going on. And I love right. just watching the the look of surprise and even sometimes shock <laughs> come over their faces when like when they realize what's going on inside this bar, and then they'll start taking out their phones and taking videos and pictures and like. It's, you know, I can just imagine them sending those pictures out like, hey, y'all, you aren't going to believe this. <laughs> guess where sure. I am and guess what's happening here. 
So I love that and, and just reaching people. And, man, we're baptizing people every sing, single Sunday that rolls around out in the Gulf of Mexico. That's awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. So cool. Yeah, for sure. So, so I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that really, I think, explains the heart of your book that has a unknown due date of chasing kevin so yes. just kind of give an overview of that then i'm gonna yeah. stop you and we're just gonna muse yeah, along man, for sure uh so yeah um started working on chasing heaven it kind of really goes back to uh, i'm a part of a men's bible study that meets every thursday morning at 6 a.m bright and early nice. um and i've been meeting with this group of guys for years and years and years and it's just a verse by verse study of of different books of the bible and as a result of the study, one day we were talking, I don't exactly remember where we were or what, what book we were in, but something came up about heaven, and, and one of the guys uh, mentioned this word, you know, chasing heaven, and it just clicked, you know, like, hey, that would be, that would be a great title of a book, guys, yeah, <laughs> <That is. laughs> and, and, and from that day uh, forward, I just couldn't put it down. I couldn't get away from that, those two words, chasing heaven. And um, and then a little bit later on, I guess it's really because of the way of Jesus, the, my first book, that I came across this scripture where Paul wrote in Colossians chapter three, I believe it's verse two, where where Paul said, "Set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated right. at the right hand of the Father, and not on things of the earth." And, and there was just an immediate connection between what Paul was teaching there that how we should be setting our minds on things above, not on things of the earth, and seeking those things which are above and not on the things of the earth, right. and this whole idea of chasing heaven. And so the more I, I thought about that, I thought, yeah, that needs to be a book. That needs, that needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. For sure. And so I just, you know, started writing and, and um, um, kind of chasing that down a little bit more. Um, and you know, writing is, is work. It is. Yes. I just, <laughs> you, you've experienced yes, that, right? I have right? experienced it. Yes. Yeah. It is work. You may have a great idea and you start writing uh, it, but sooner or later you're going to hit a, a hit a, a, a wall. You just where, oh, yeah. like, where do I go from here? And not many people get past that wall. Yeah. Yeah. Being in publishing, I see that a lot. So I, I would imagine so. <laughs> and, and, um, and I've, I've discovered the key to, to getting past that wall is you just, Every day you got to sit down and write something, right? Even if it's bad, you know. Even yeah. if it's, there's nothing to it, you write something. Even if it's a sentence, even if it's a paragraph, and if you get much beyond that, hey, great, you know, yeah. way to go. <laughs> but you got to write something, and so I just kept writing, kept working at it, and kept praying. You know, Lord, what do you really want to say through this, and um, what does it need to say? What does a book like this need to say? And um, slowly but surely, it kind of kind of fell into place um so yeah that's nice. kind of how it got started okay for sure so i guess we can go with how you're explaining it you're not because i feel like a lot of heaven books are on the you know the you know the old hymns great it's one of my favorite ones but it's sure. more about that that one day yeah when we die and i'll go to heaven right so i know you kind of mentioned that it's more of how does heaven affect us here and now yes but is there, do you dive into almost kind of the, that aspect? Because, I mean, it is important at the end of the day. It is our hope. Yeah. But and it is our, our eternal home. <laughs> you know, the thing that, right. um, 
I think I've shared this with you, but um, I wrote The Way of Jesus while we were in a living in Costa Rica. Right. My wife and I spent two years as missionaries in Costa Rica. And during that period of time, it was a, it was a weird time because we were um, kind of in and out. We only had temporary visas to live in Costa Rica, so we were in and out at different times uh, because we had to. We had to go out and renew our visa, and then, come, then we could come back. And so during that period of time, we were home for for a little bit, and then back in Costa Rica, and then home for a little bit. And during that period of time, I got this feeling like I started asking myself, "Where is home?" <laughs> you know, it was a weird for feeling. Sure. Like, where is home? Is it is it in uh, South <laughs> Alabama? You know, Fairhope, Alabama, or is it in uh, Tamarindo, Costa Rica? You know, where is it? And and I, I, it helped me realize God used that to help me realize that this isn't our home. Right. It's none of the above. For sure. That really, heaven is our home because we're, we're here on this earth just for this little sliver of period of time. Right. But, but heaven is going to be our eternal home. Right. So, so we have to keep that in mind. I think that's what Paul was getting at in that passage in Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above because that's our real home. Right. So, so yeah. So, and— so I got to thinking about that in terms of our real home, eternal home, and um, the, the the way I approach um, the book is, of course, the Bible has a lot to say about heaven, right? right. In lots of different ways. Yeah, you, you you know you mentioned Revelation earlier that yeah, Revelation has a lot to say about heaven and what the end times are going to look like, right. and what heaven's going to look like. And I love that passage in Revelation is it twenty one or twenty two where it says that and God will wipe away all their tears, right? Yeah, their eyes. Yep. And, and He will be their God, and they will be His people. And I love that picture. I mean, just imagine that that God Himself taking a Kleenex. A heavenly Kleenex tissue and wiping away your tears. Right. You know, For the sure. tears of life, the tears of grief, the tears of pain. So I love those pictures. But but where I landed was that even though the Bible has a lot <clears throat> to say and a lot to teach us about what heaven is going to be like, uh, from Genesis to Revelation, we have we have these little glimpses and pictures of what heaven is going to be like. Where I landed was, um, what did what did Jesus teach us about heaven? So I kind of approached the book from that perspective, which I think is a little bit unique perspective. That, oh, no, for sure. That focusing in on exactly what did Jesus say about heaven and teach, not, not, in, not just in the things that he said, but also in the things that he did. Right. The way he lived his life, the way that Jesus performed his, his ministry uh, in the miracles that he gave us um, that are recorded in the gospel accounts. You know, from everything that Jesus said and did, what does that teach us about heaven? Right. And I think it's a lot. Oh, yes. It's a lot there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You know, someone, someone, I think I remember reading years ago that uh, where someone once said that Jesus had more to say about heaven than he did about hell. And I'm not sure that's true. I can't, I can't um, prove that that's true, um, that Jesus had more to say about heaven than he did about hell, but I can say that Jesus had a lot to say about heaven. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, can you can you have the high points? Kind of just the, I guess the heart. I guess if we would say here's the can we'll just muse on the high points. Uh, you know, we can't talk about a whole book. Yeah, even if we took five hours for this podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> and you don't have five hours. Yeah, right? and I don't got five hours either. So. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to listen for five. Yeah, no, no, only no. Joe Rogan can do that. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> exactly right. So, so yeah. Um, so when I stopped to look at the things that Jesus said and did about heaven, I boiled it down to about 
um, seven or eight different things that kind of like the high points of what Jesus teaches us about heaven is, and that is that that heaven is a place, right? You know, John 14, um, what, verse two or three, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and encouraging his disciples, preparing them for what was about to happen to him and to them. So Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. So Jesus made it very clear that heaven is a place, a physical, real, tangible place. Um, because we could, you know, stop and think about what are the misconceptions about heaven. Right. And, you know, what do you think of? In fact, I began the book by, what do you think of when you hear the word heaven? And for some, it's like, you know, floating around on a cloud or, you know, some uh, <laughs> ethereal uh, existence where you're, you're maybe there or maybe not there. But no, Jesus said it's a place. Right. It's a very real, physical, tangible place that we get to enjoy. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it's a place. And I, and I write about, just quickly write about how it's a place. I believe it's going to be a place of life, a place. Um, I mean, if, if, if earth is any, um, and we talked about this earlier, that the earth is kind of a, a symbol and shadow and a, and a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. And, and if that's true, and I believe it is, what we see around us on the earth is life everywhere. Think about it. Everywhere you look, there's life. There's forms right. of life. <laughs> I mean, the earth is just busting at the seams with life. In fact, I, I Googled uh, this for information, and like one source that I found on online is that there's at least a trillion forms of life on earth. Wow. Trillion different forms of life, and that's everything from microbes to whales, right? You know, and everything in between. So, so if Earth is just busting out with life, filled with life, how much more is heaven going to be a place of life? <clears throat> so, it's going to be a place of life. It's going to be a place of beauty. We see beauty all around us, right? Everywhere we look, for you know? sure. Uh, in the sunset, right yeah. here we live. Um, in the mountains, in the rainbow, in the in the the flowers that bloom in the springtime, everywhere right. everywhere we look, <clears throat> we see beauty around us, indescribable beauty at at times. Right. And so, if that's true here and now, then how much more is that going to be true of heaven? I think th I think there's sure. going to be such beauty that we're not going to be able to 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 um, to put it into words. The kind of right. beauty. I mean, I, I believe that in heaven. If, if if I could just kind of like push that to an extreme, there's going to be colors in heaven we've never seen. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'd, you know, yeah. think about no, it. No, for sure. You know, because we have different colors here, but there's going to be colors we've never seen, we've never experienced, we've never described before. Right. That are, that are in heaven because it's going to be a place of, uh, of, of beauty. Yeah. And I feel like every time we see someone get a glimpse of heaven from Isaiah to John, the revel, you know, the revelator, yeah. whichever John you think wrote Revelation, that's a fun combo to that yeah is whole different time. conversation yeah whole different right? conversation but they always even in like cultural context they say things that are odd that like are clunky mm -hmm. in the original language I found when I was writing just a couple papers and then finishing up my book that's coming at an undisclosed date that no one knows yet um, so <laughs> mystery <laughs> it's a mystery but yeah so but I found like even in the original language from even the, the Hebrew or Greek it's clunky in how they say it yes because it's almost like they couldn't put it in the words right so no I 
So no, that's so true that there's and, and that that raises a great point is because we are we are trying to describe the indescribable, right? Right. That that's the the. That's the challenge that we all have in writing and talking about such things as heaven, such things as grace, such things as love and mercy. Um, and that's the, the challenge that even the, the Bible has, that how do you describe the indescribable? What, what, what words do you use that defy words? Um, and again, that just points to the limitation of language. That, sure. that language is limited right. in describing such things. Um, but that's all we have to go with. And right. So we do our best. We do our best to talk about such things and write about such things, and, but realizing that there is an inherited limitation in, in, in using language. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's really good to remember. Yeah, because how, how do you describe things like, for example, how do you describe love? Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what words do you use? How do you describe chocolate? Right. You know, you know, so those are just some uh, of the limitations of words that that come into play when we when we talk and write about heaven. Right. So, yeah, so it's going to be this incredible place of life and beauty, indescribable beauty. It's going to be a place of worship um, that we could talk about as well. And I think I finish up that chapter with with writing about how um most important of all that heaven is going to be a place with a person and that's the right. person of Jesus because he said to his disciples there in John chapter 14 he said that where I am going to prepare a, prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also right so that was the promise that Jesus gave to them and to us right that he's preparing a place going to be this incredible place a real place a tangible place a physical place that we'll get to enjoy for all eternity, but more important than that, the whole purpose of that place is so that we can be with Him. That's good. And, and I that's, like, that's yeah. going to be the joy of heaven. I love that you took that because even, especially in academia, if you read, just, we miss that. Yeah. Like, you know, we miss that it's, at the end of the day, all of it. Right. It's about a person. It is. And then especially when we get to this heaven combo, we're so worried about the minors. We forget the major. Yes. We're so worried about, well, will we, well, what are we going to look like? Are we going to be, old, are we going to be the 70 year old version of us? Or are we going to be the 20 year old version? And are there going to be, is my dog going to be there? Is, and we worry about all of this. Yeah. And we forget, well, at the end of the, end of the day, nothing else matters that. That's right. We get to be in the perfect union. This perfect with place. God. This perfect place in with perfect, perfect unity. Yes. That, yes, Jesus has overcome sin and death right here, right now. Yeah. But we're still human. That's right. And we still have flesh. And it points us again to the to the whole, whole purpose of the gospel. The whole purpose of the gospel is not to make us um, better people or, or um, fill us with information. The whole purpose of the gospel is a relationship. Right, yep. it's to bring us into sure. a relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and heaven is going to be the the perfection of that. Right, heaven is going to be where we experience that in in a perfect way. Here, it's imperfect, right? right? Not so much, not so much. It's 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 very imperfect. We 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 experience this relationship in in um, in, in imperfect ways. 
but there we're going to experience this relationship with Jesus. We're going to be there with him in this relationship with him in a perfect way. And that's that's what it's going to all be about. For sure. Seeing yeah. him face to face, right? And, yep. and entering into this perfect relationship with Jesus once and for all, for all eternity. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like if we would simply focus on that a little bit more. Yeah. Right. We realize the that all, stuff. all the other questions wouldn't matter. And, and we don't, and going to that point that you just raised, we don't really have answers to those questions. Yeah, you know? because we don't, you know, always love. So, you know, I, you know, working from home, I've realized, you know, like I love evangelism. You know, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, the be a, you need to go do the Great Commission individually. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, luckily I love to create content, but, you know, I don't run into people every day. So, like, mm-hmm. so how I run into people is through, you know, how most people run into people now is social media. Like, that's how I meet new people, how I connect. And I always love when I get someone to message me or comment, you know, sometimes it's mean and I don't love when it's mean. But I love, you know, every once in a while I'll get a, a genuine question of someone. Gen- and it all starts with their misunderstanding comes from they're trying to make the Bible do something the Bible is never designed to do. Right. They're trying to see if a dinosaur was there with Adam in the garden rather than right. how God was in perfect union with man. Right. Like it, they, so I feel like when we get to this topic of heaven, you know, even people who know what the Bible is supposed to do, that it's supposed to lead us to God, it's supposed to tell us about the character and goodness and wonderfulness of God, they all of a sudden are like, okay, now I want all the answers. That's right. So I love, so no, I think. There needs yeah. to be more books about heaven. <laughs> and, and we don't have those answers, you know. Yeah, we, we, we just we, we get to that wall. We can just say, I don't know. I, yeah. I, the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't give us the answers to those kind of questions. But one day we will have the answers to those yeah. questions, but just not here and now. Right. So, so yeah, I'm super excited to, you know, I'll get to read this book for most other people. So it's yeah. going to be fun. Awesome. So awesome. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, so I can't wait for it. No, so, so yeah, good. so I uh, start talking about how, I write about how heaven is a place, but then chapter number two, I really I really liked this chapter. This is one of my favorite chapters that I wrote, wrote about is that heaven, think of heaven as a party. Okay. <laughs> so so let's think about heaven as a party because heaven is the floor of Bama having church in it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, um, because when you look at the life of Jesus and I, and I just kind of focus in specifically on on um, one account, um, I believe it's in, I forget which gospel it's in, um, but it's in one of them. I'm drawing a blank here, but, but in one of the gospels that talks about, maybe John's gospel, how it talks about how um, it gives us the account of, of Jesus turning the water into wine. Right. Remember that story? Yes. Okay, so Jesus goes to a wedding. So that's to me, that's significant. He, he goes to this wedding. So Jesus was not like this, this um, um, person that, that never went out and never enjoyed himself, was always serious, you know, somber. No, that wasn't Jesus at all. He went to a wedding. Yep, he he smiled. Yeah, he smiled. He yeah. laughed, and he wasn't white. But yeah, we, that's another. That's one, I, one reason I appreciate. It. I don't know if you like the the Chosen series or not. Yes. I, if you've watched that, I just appreciate the Chosen series. Um, that that they they um, kind of personify Jesus in that way that Jesus enjoyed himself yes. wherever, he, wherever he went. So Jesus goes to this this wedding along with his disciples and. And uh, all of a sudden, they run out of the wine, which would have been a, a huge embarrassment, huge embarrassment for the for the couple and for the families involved. 
in that culture, just like it would be today, you know, if you ran out of food or, or whatever. Um, and so what does Jesus do? He, Jesus he, takes six stone water pots, full of, he tells the servants to go fill up the water. First of all, his mom convinces him to do this. And, you know, when mom talks, you listen, right? Yep. You better listen. You better listen. And even Jesus did. So he goes in and, you know, they, they fill up the, the, the water pots full of water. And um, then he goes and tells the servants to take some to the, to the, to the lead guy of the, the wedding feast, the host. And the water's turned into wine. And the host says it's not just good wine, it's the best of wine. Right. And the thing that really grabs me about that whole story of Jesus and the gospel there is that it's not just good wine, it's not just the best of wine, it's a lot of it. Right. I did the math on it, and six stone water pots, which would have probably contained anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons of water. Oh, wow. So it's six of them. Yep. And so that turns into 900 gallons oh, wow. of wine, which if you do the math, which I did the, kind, of, kind of did the math a little bit there, that turns into 900 bottles of wine. Oh, wow. So what that tells me is that, um, and there's other, other passages in the Bible where, where, like in Isaiah, I believe, I think it's in the book, but I think it's in Isaiah and other passages where... Um, God uses the 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 symbolism and the imagery of feasting, right, to describe heaven, <clears throat> and it, I believe it's even there in Reve- in the Book of Revelation as yep. well. You know where Jesus, where where the, where the writers of Scripture use this imagery of feasting and and celebration and and a party. That, that's how we would describe it is a, right. is a party. And so that, to me, that makes it clear that. Hey, if this happens here and now, and if, if God uses this imagery and symbolism to describe heaven, then yeah, heaven is going to be this this incredible party, right? In fact, Revelation, in fact, uses the the imagery of of the um, the wedding, right? Yep, wedding imagery. And what do you do yep. at a wedding? You celebrate. Yep, it's a party. You know, yeah. There's some serious part. You know, where where the the couple is is saying their vows to one another. Then it should be serious and it should be solemn. But then after that, there's a party for sure, and people go celebrate and there's dancing and there's eating and there's drinking and and so to me that's just a picture to us that that heaven is not going to be the solemn somber um, worship service, eternal yeah. worship service where we're just you know uh, existing and 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 trying to enjoy it. No, it's going to be a party for sure. And I feel like. You know, I'm listening. One of my favorite podcasts is the Bible Project podcast, Mm -hmm. and the series they're on now is called The City. And why that? And they take the imagery of the city. Uh You know, at first, the imagery of heaven, kind of the Old Testament rides off of, is Eden, which is a garden. Okay. Not much there. Right. You know, some, you know, so it kind of feels somber. It kind of feels like, okay, we're almost de innovating. But then you get to near the end, and this city starts appearing, kind of just splashes of it, that there's going to be a lot of people. And why I kind of bring that up is a lot of people, why we feel like a lot of people, I feel like, see heaven as so somber uh-huh. is all we know of partying. Yeah. A lot of the times has negative connotations to our holiness. True. That's true. And 
That's why we feel like, oh, we need to go to a garden. You know, we need to be where no innovation at all. That's where we really meet God. Yeah. When with the party and the city, this imagery starts to appear. And it's like, no, God meet God wants to include what we have innovated throughout time right. into his final plan. Yes. Like, you know, it's not God didn't set God isn't gonna come and destroy all of our buildings. Yeah. <laughs> Even when the new like a city is gonna drop out of heaven. Right. <laughs> when he comes and restores and unites once and for the all New heaven Jerusalem, and right? Yep. yep. And it's gonna be a huge party. Yes. And it's gonna take so I feel like it's almost what we think is good and fun. Mm-hmm. God isn't coming to take all that away. Right. He just come to make it what he originally intended it for. That's right. So, no, the, I love that you're bringing—no, that's a super cool—I haven't heard— in, in a party, you know, you think of a party and there's joy and there's gladness. Yep. There's there's um, happiness as a part of, of a party, and, and surely that's what heaven's going to be like. For sure. You know? and, and another image that I think— uh, um, points us to heaven as a party is the parable of the prodigal son, or right. we might call it the parable <clears throat> of the loving father. Oh, you yeah, know, for which sure. To me, is a better title for that. Right. Um, because that's that's the whole point of the parable is to point to the loving father. And, and of course, if, if our listeners, you know, grew up around church, mm-hmm. they've heard that story over and over and over again. Right. And how the, 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 the prodigal son goes off and wastes his living and, and wastes his inheritance on, on crazy living. And, and then he comes back and um, instead of he thinks he's going to be reprimanded, he thinks he's going to be condemned by the father. And, you know, he has a speech in mind and he, and he goes to the father. And, and, but the father... The parable that Jesus told, the, the father sees a son coming from afar off, and he runs to the son. Right. And, and then he says, you know, he says to his servants, you know, go and go and um, go and kill the fatty calf, and go get a robe and put it on his put it on his back, and go get the the sandals, put it on his feet, put a ring on his finger, and and go kill the fatty calf because we're gonna celebrate. Right. We're right. going to celebrate because this is my son who was lost and he's been found and he was dead and now he's back alive again. Right. And he's come home. And surely that too points to the fact that heaven is going to be this incredible party when, when all of creation is going to be restored. And he's going to right. come home. Right. For sure. To the Father. And there's going to yep. be this party. Go and kill the fatty calf. Right. <laughs> and we're going to celebrate. <clears throat> Right, and to me that that's that's what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be a party. Wow, that's yeah, I and love that's that encouraging. It should be encouraging to us. That is definitely, know? and I think a lot of times people. I wanted to say this too. A lot of times people have this somber, solemn thought of or idea of heaven because that's what they've grown up with. You know, that's kind of yep. their idea of church. You know that they they get, they go to church. Um, uh, on Sunday morning, and it's somber, and it's solemn, and it's quiet, and and surely, you know, sure, there's 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 a time and a place for that, um, but there should be celebration as well, right? And I yeah, think that's what heaven's going to be like. You know, recording this on July fifth, so yeah, I feel like a good representation of that you know July fourth. Yeah, there's there's somberness to it, like right. Wow, we remember a lot of people paid a price that's for us right. to be. Continuing to be independent. Exactly right. But at the same time, there's a whole lot of partying. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of celebration. There's fireworks. Right. So, like, 
that mixture shouldn't be foreign to us. But for some reason, we only let that mixture be foreign when it comes to church. Right. And I feel like, you know, there's not as kind of like you said, maybe that's because people grew up on it. So I love that. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's more people realizing, okay, we can mix these. Yeah. But still, especially with heaven. I haven't really heard specific. Yeah, I haven't heard that imagery of a party. So that's yeah. super. Yeah, you know, heaven's going to be a party. So no, that's gonna, awesome. And, and it's going to be um, a very long party. Yes, yes, <laughs> a very party. long party. Yeah, so I think that's cool. And then, and then another um, uh, thought that I had and a way of describing heaven uh, that I use in the book is heaven is healing as well. Okay, it's going to be a place of healing um, because again, one of the most important things that you see about Jesus in the Gospels um, is his healing ministry. Right. And yes, certainly he did that out of compassion, out of care for the people that he met. You know, he healed the blind, uh, healed the the lame, made the, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, even raised the dead, right? Right. On, on, on two occasions. And so... Um, so yeah, he did that out of compassion for the people that he met. But I believe that that if you take a step beyond that, what that's saying to us is that surely heaven is going to be this, and, and for some it may be a, just a given, a granted. But but I believe it's going to be a picture of how there's going to be this complete and total healing in heaven. That that no matter who we are or what we are or or, or what this life does to us in the here and now, that heaven is going to be this place of healing where we're completely, totally, eternally healed. Wow. You know, in in ways that we can't even begin to imagine here and now. Right. That that it's just going to be this place of complete healing once and for all where we're, like, goes back to that (laughs) analogy of, of in Revelation 21 or 22 where God takes... The tissue of heaven and Kleenex of heaven and wipes away all of our tears and we're right. healed. Wow. Wow, that's I love that how unique that is. Like, you know, there might have been bits and pieces that, you know, some people have heard before, but I know for me I have definitely have you know, haven't seen a whole lot of books on heaven in general, especially for the wider Christian yeah. audience. Yeah. But mostly the books I've read have been academic, you know, yeah. then those aren't bad, but no, I'm super excited for. Yeah, and and to me that's important because, you know, we we um, have family members that uh, we've lost to to disease. We have friends. I mean, we're just coming out of COVID pandemic, right? Right. And uh, we we all had friends. We all had family members. I lost a favorite aunt, my favorite aunts to COVID. Yeah. And. Um, it's just a reminder to us that that in yes in this world there's sickness there's disease there's cancer there's there's um, uh, diabetes there's leukemia there's all these different things that we struggle with and 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 we have to deal with but in heaven one day there's going to be this complete and total and eternal healing where we're made our bodies are made new we're given new bodies um that will never get sick and never grow old and, and and man i just to me when i when i look at all these healing miracles of jesus where where yes out of his love and compassion and care for the people that he met he healed them but even then you know one day they got sick and died right 
And even with Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead, and even the the, the widow's son that he raised from the dead, you know, the sad part of that is that that one day they they had to die again. Yep. But but the day is coming in heaven when when that will no longer be the case. One day there's going to be complete and inter- eternal and total healing, and one day these bodies are going to be made new, and there's never going to be sickness again. Right. And all of our tears will be wiped away, and everything will be made new. Yeah. And wow. I look forward to that. Definitely. No, that's in, that's ultimate hope. But, you know, I was having a conversation. It's kind of, you know, I didn't even have this planned out while I had this about, it would have been two episodes ago. I was uh-huh. talking to Stephen Silberman, who is, rabbi, I should say rabbi, uh-huh. Stephen Silberman. He is a rabbi at Achavas Chesed. Um, synagogue in Mobile. Cool. And his main complaint, or uh, his main reservation of how Christians interpret the Old Testament is we focus on that one day, that the afterlife. Right. When in Judaism, they're not focused on that at all. Yeah. You know, there's some parts that do believe in afterlife. Right. But, you know, in how they... Orthodox circles, they do. Yeah, yeah. more orthodox. But yeah. where he was coming from is if you go to the Torah... There is zero talk, mm. and I've checked. There's there's zero talk, mm. like plainly though, of an afterlife. So there's nothing in, from Genesis to Deuteronomy, and he goes, "That was Moses. If Moses didn't say it, it's done." So we're gonna right. take a quick break, and I'm gonna I want to come back and kind of start digging into, okay, yes, heaven is a place, and that is our ultimate hope, and that is important. Right. But how does heaven affect us now? So we're going to hit a quick break. Cool. All right. We're back. I feel, back. Yeah, we're All back. Right. Yeah. I've tried to like not take a break and it feels like those conversations that you really want to leave because you got to go to the bathroom and you can't. <laughs> so I always, yeah. always like taking a break at about 40 minutes That's right. or it just feels really awkward for yeah. us talking and then we don't. Especially when you get to a good. good place where you can yeah, take a break, no, right? Yeah, that was a good stop. Natural. Yeah, I feel like that was a good natural stop. There so you go. I thought we could take a break so we could, we could keep going. So those first three chapters, I really feel like took a we're going to take a pause. You know, you keep going and we're going to hit a couple more chapters. But I almost want to pause on those just okay. because all those things, you know, you could even place, you can almost say it was more of a alternate reality that we have access to here mm-hmm. and then the other two pretty easily fit into the here and now so i was reading this morning um jeremiah 29 verse 5 really what stuck out is verse 5 all the way down to verse <clears throat> 14 and within those chapters is one of the most isolated taken out of context verses in the bible right however i want to focus on the around that because it shows us almost how God has called us into live outside of heaven. Okay. And at the same time, it brings heaven to where we are. Okay. So let's go to Jeremiah 29. We're going to start in verse four. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. 
plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear and have sons. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to them. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when the 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So I feel like all of that connects super well. So I didn't know, I didn't want to stop after I kept going because it's just so good. <laughs> no, it is. I was going to stop. It's passage. so good because yeah. I feel like a lot of times while we have and we focus on the one day when we all get to heaven mm-hmm. is because we like to isolate mm-hmm. front of the plans I have for you to clear the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for hope in a future. That's right. However, we don't look at the context yeah. of that where it's, God wants you to be active here and now. That's right. And what Jesus in the New Testament brings along is not only is God going to meet you where you are, but you're actually going to be able to be a conduit That's for right. other people He's to meet God. He's going to use you where you are. <clears throat> and then you could even say, heaven right now is me and you. Mm-hmm. It's the closest to heaven some people may ever be. Right. And we're going to get in that later. Right. So it's all, you know, the saying, old saying that you might be the only Bible people read. Well, you might be the only piece of heaven someone ever reaches as well. That's very true. So I just want to take a moment and just point that out. Yeah, so. and, I, and I think that's so true, um, what you just said, that, that as a believer, you may be the only heaven someone ever sees or experiences because— and we'll talk more about this later as well, but because our, our culture, our world seems to me, and others may disagree, but seems to me it's getting worse and worse. Right. It's getting less and less like heaven. Right. And, you know, more and more like hell mm-hmm. in, in some some degree. And so, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the differences between believers who are following Jesus, who are truly following Jesus— in, in a in a um, in a real way, an intentional way, and what we see in the world around us is becoming greater and greater. Those differences are becoming greater and greater. So right. yeah, you're exactly right. People need to see heaven living in us, Jesus yeah, living in us, for sure. Right, right. And I feel like that a lot- goes back to that salt and light. <clears throat> Jesus called us to be salt yeah. and light, for sure. No, he did, and I feel like this is almost. This is where I lo- like to say the New Testament invaded the old. Yeah. Because a lot of people like to divide it. But at the same... No, you can't divide yeah, it. 
and you can't divide it no. because here, I mean, that's pretty much what, in a different way, Jeremiah is saying, hey, you're, you're not in retreat. Don't, you know, don't protest. Mm-hmm. Don't do these random, don't show Babylon that you don't want to be there. Right. <laughs> Almost. It's yeah. saying, no, no, be a part for, of the culture, be a part, like yeah. invade. Don't. And we see the examples later on in the latter pro- later prophets of, you know, we got Daniel and we got, um, you know, we got, well, I was about what we know as their slave's name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but mm-hmm. I the, called them by their Hebrew name, which I'm blanking on the first one now, but, you know, we got <laughs> Michelle and Azariah, yeah. Hananiah. That's Hananiah. the Hananiah is Shadrach. There you go. Michelle is Meshach and Abednego is Azariah. I'm impressed. Yeah. uh, Well, uh, you know, I heard a sermon that convicted me of that. Like, how would you like to be known as your slave name if you were put into slavery? So I was like, okay, I guess that's fair. Yeah. I guess I'll I'll give it that. So I always try to remember it to give the respect to their Hebrew name. But we see that beautiful blend of not giving up your values Mm -hmm. and not giving, falling into the temptation Mm -hmm. of the world. Right. But also being a part of it because they were in authority in Babylon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we even hear their story is they knew the king. <laughs> yeah. And so, it was Babylon. Yeah. And it, it was, was in a, Babylon. A pagan people, a, yeah. a pagan culture. But I, I think the, the whole key in that whole passage there is verse 7 where that you just read where, where um, God through Isaiah saying to the people of Israel, uh, or through Jeremiah, rather, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on his behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Right. So so they were called by God to to seek the good of the city, to seek the good of the, the people around them. Right. And that's what we're called to do as well. Yes. To, to pray, pray for the culture we find ourselves, to be that salt and that light. Right. Um, as a preservative, as a beacon of hope, you know, pointing others to the hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that we have in heaven one day, pointing people to that, not just giving up on our culture. That's not what we're called to do, right? right? Yeah. And that's what not what they were called to do. Don't give up right. on the culture. No, infect the culture. And that's why Jeremiah— the culture. And that's why Jeremiah's like, hey, don't listen to them, because right. what the— you know, and I love really from verse 23 where he talks about the, I mean, not verse 23, chapter 23 is so going way back. He talks about the righteous branch. Right. There's really this dialogue of, okay, mm-hmm. here's a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what really God has to say. Yeah. That, I mean, here he goes, okay, you're going to be, I mean, you're going to be in Babylon 70 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God does have a plan and a hope, and he's going right. to visit you. Yes. One day. But it's going to be 70 years. And right. at that time, you if you got to 70, you were ancient. Yeah. If you made it all the way to 70, like, God really wanted you to live. <laughs> which, which also meant that one generation wasn't going to make it out. Yep. So that meant pretty much who he was talking to at that moment. Right. They weren't going to make they it weren't. out. They, like, you know, the Israelites, I don't think God ever told them, hey, it's going to be exactly 40 years. It was just pretty much, hey, you're just going to pretty much die. I mean, he didn't yeah. even, like, give them the year. He just said, like, you know, these people might even have a glimmer. He was almost nicer here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, nah, we're just waiting until all you die. Like, that's all you said to the Israelites and coming out of Egypt. But here right. he's like, no, it's going to be 70 years. And, and he was he was mentioning the false prophets here. He, yep. Jeremiah mentioned the false prophets um, that he, he, uh, he said, don't listen to them. You know, you, he said in verse uh, um, verse 8, 
don't let the, your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Don't don't listen to their dreams that they dream, for it's a lie that they're prophesying to you. I did not send them. Yep. And, and so what these false prophets were saying, oh, it's it's just going to be a little while. Yep. You're going to be think, in Babylon just for a little while. Don't don't yep. don't worry. Don't don't infect the culture. Don't don't change the culture. Don't. Don't participate in the culture. You know, don't have that. Don't be the salt and light because you're only going to be there a short period of time. Well, yep. whereas, whereas Jeremiah was saying, no, no, that's yep. not the case. And I think it was after where one of the false prophets said, in two years, your king will come back. Yeah. All the vessels that were taken will oh, return. Yeah. And everything's going to be and, great and you're going to yep. be fine. And, and, and God will break off your yoke. And then right. he breaks off, I guess, the picture was... I, not Isaiah. Jeremiah had a wooden yoke on at the That's time, right. and he breaks it off his neck. Yeah, breaks it and off. And then he tells Jeremiah to go back and goes, you just broke a wooden yoke, and I'm about to place on you one of iron. And I don't know if you want to go down this rabbit trail or not, but to me, it, it's almost like symbolizes um, the prosperity preachers today. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, that try to tell believers and try to tell the church that— uh, you know, God wants you your, your, you to have your best life ever here and now. Yep. And God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise here yep. and now. You know, it's almost like dangling out this carrot in front of people that yep. God wants you to have. Yep, just believe hard enough. Yeah, just believe hard enough. And if you don't have those things, you don't have enough faith, yep. brother. You know, and, and yet that's not what we see in Jesus. Nope. He, Jesus spent— Jesus— Rode on an old donkey borrowed. Yeah, exactly right. He and walked. died with nothing. Yep. He didn't on have cross. nothing. Yep. On a cross as a criminal. So yes. does God want to bless you? Yes. However, that blessing might not be money, might not be a new car That's right. and a new house. That's right. But it might be peace. Yes. It'll be joy. Uh, not might. It will be peace. Peace and joy. And joy. And you will be filled with love. And it might be in the midst of suffering. Oh, yeah. And it might. I mean, Paul, I mean, was in, I mean, the book of joy, a lot of people call it Philippians. He was in jail. Right. <laughs> writing Philippians. When he, when he, when he wrote the book and in the book of Acts, they were in jail singing praises yep. together at midnight, you know, but so, they were in jail. Yep. So almost like heaven is a place. What Earth is telling you is your reality. Yes. Of oh no, it's bad. Everyone around you is like, man, I don't know why God doesn't work in your life. I don't know why you mm -hmm. don't have more money mm -hmm. if you believe in God so much. Yeah. Well, my reward isn't money, or it'd be really it. I wouldn't have that much hope. Yeah. I wouldn't be this happy if all I got was money out of this. So it's almost as heaven is a place. God changes where we are. Even though we're still on earth. Yes. God changes our world, even though we live in a world of brokenness where everything is about money, image, power. Yeah. And God's saying, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live chasing those things. That's right. So that's where I feel like that first chapter really speaks into our lives today is that we live in a broken world, but Jesus is looking to bring heaven to become our world instead. Yes. And we still interact. And how we do that, we look at Jeremiah. Yeah. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives, have sons and daughters. Yes, live life. Li live. Right. But do it God's way. Do it God's way. And that's how you bring the place of heaven. Yes. Here and now. 
And it's also realizing that our our ultimate reward, and I write, there's, there's one chapter in the book that, that talks about heaven as a place of reward. It's, it's realizing that, um, that, yes, he promises us peace and joy, purpose, um, usefulness here in this life, but, but we have to remember that, that our ultimate reward is going to be in heaven one day. Yep. And, and there's going to be great reward, and even in the face of suffering. Right. I mean, Jeremiah suffered. These prophets of the Old Testament, yeah. they suffered. And that was a lot of Jeremiah's messages. Yeah. Don't listen to them. They're telling you prosperity, but let's remember all the ones that we ended, ended up being right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he even, one of the, while well, there, it was a couple chapters back. I can't mm-hmm. remember the exact chapter, but mm-hmm. pretty much one, pro, one of the false prophets says, hey, let's kill him. He just prophesied against the king. He just spoke a bad word over the king. Yeah. And one of the other guys is like, do we remember Micah? <laughs> yeah. He prophesied, and he was right. <laughs> right. So we might want to listen because Micah said the same thing as Jeremiah did, and now it's happening. Now Jeremiah is saying something, adding to what Micah said. Yeah. So we might actually want to take this seriously. Well, and then when you look at Jesus, too, um, what comes to mind is the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, where Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 5, you know, he, he talks about uh, the Beatitudes um, um, of blessedness, and then he he closes the beatitudes by saying, "Blessed are you when when men revile you and and persecute you yep. for my name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven." Yes. So even in the midst of persecution, even in the midst of the, and I'm reading a book right now about uh, um, the Chinese church and the house churches in China. Do you know um, the title? Um, oh, the title just escapes me. Um, just send it to me because I want to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, they are experiencing persecution right. by the CCP. And, and so, so many believers experience that persecution. And uh, to, to talk to them about prosperity and your best life now is meaningless. Right. Right now. Right. So, so Jesus said, but you're blessed when you're persecuted. You're right. blessed when you suffer for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. Right. So our reward, we have to, re- we have to remember that, that our reward is not you know, wearing a Rolex watch or driving right. the, the Mercedes or a Porsche. It's not living in the, a million-dollar house. That's right. not a reward. Those, you know, if God blesses, us with, or blesses people with those things, great, awesome, wonderful, bless you in the name of Jesus. Yeah. But— we have to remember that our ultimate reward is always going to be out in, in front of us right. in heaven. Yep. And I, I love how, you know, we could even talk about in leadership, because again, the power thing, I love it was on the basement podcast with Tim Ross. He was talking about how we like to build pyramids when we show organizational or organization charts. Uh-huh. Yeah. However, how it really should be is flip that triangle and turn it on its side. Right. And whoever's at the top is now in the front where they take all the brunt. They take all the heat. So a lot of people want these success. They want all this money, but they don't realize that with those things (laughs) comes a whole lot of other things that come against you. And if you talk to, you know, the, (laughs) I say this jokingly, the prophet Kanye West in his um, (laughs) song, The American Dream says, says that people highest up have the lowest self-esteem. So those who achieve everything that the American dream says, they have the least amount of joy and the least amount of peace. And and I write about that in the book as well. Um, That when you look at the rich and the famous, 
most of the people that you look at who are rich and famous are some of the most unhappiest, yep. broken people you want to look at. They'd much rather make your $30,000 a year and struggling to pay the bills Amen. than be where they are. Amen. <laughs> so Amen it's a that. blessing. And I, and I mean, I've really caught in my own life that, like that, you know, just really seeing, okay, hey, I, you know, it's okay to want to reach people, but let's not, let's do it the right way. You know, it's okay to want to be successful in things I do, but let's make sure that it's focused on God's way of success. That's right. Not the world's way of success. And God's way of success may look different. Definitely. You know, the successful, a successful pastor or missionary may look completely different from what the world wants to say. Yeah. You know, and so we have to remember that God's definition of success may look different. And by the way, that title, that book, I looked it up. It's called Faith in the Wilderness by Hannah Nation and Simon okay. Lou, I think is probably okay. uh, the author's name there. And it's a collection of sermons that uh, Chinese pastors uh, gave at a, a, a meeting in uh, Malaysia, I believe. Okay. During the during okay. the height of COVID. Okay, and that's funny. Okay, so I actually saw that. I use um Logos Bible software, and I saw that promoted in that. Oh wow! But I moved on, and I couldn't ever find the title again. Yes. So I'm glad Faith that you brought it up. Wilderness. Okay, Faith, Faith in, the in the Wilderness. Okay, I remember that. Yeah, awesome. Collection of of, of um, sermons by Chinese pastors. Yes, that was and, the and these description. Are, these are, these are okay. people. These are pastors that you know that um, that get put in prison. Yep. for preaching. For meeting in a house church, right, and so they they have they have suffered for the name of Jesus, right. But I think they do that because they they know that their reward, their ultimate reward. Yes, there's a reward here and now. We can talk about that as as well. There's here the reward here and now, and knowing that you're in the will of God, you're doing what God's called you to do, and there's yep. great reward in that, and there's blessing in that. Sure, but our ultimate reward is one day that we're going to be able to see Jesus, and one day we're going to. Be rewarded, and um, the Bible doesn't really tell us what those rewards are going to look like. But Jesus, again and again in the Gospels, said he, he talked about reward. Right. One day, great is your reward in heaven. Yes. And, and in fact, one of those passages that Jesus talked about reward is uh, the parable of the uh, the the, uh, the talents. Yes. And the three servants that are given five talents, two talents, and one talent. Yep. And to the to the the servant who's given the ten talents or five talents goes out and makes five more, and the two makes two more. And to both of those uh, servants, the the master says, um, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Right. Um, Enter into the joy of your lord. Yes. You know, and so to me, that's a picture of that reward of heaven. Right. To hear, "Well done, good and right. faithful servant." Now that's super great. Yeah. So, no, that's. I think that's a good point to move on to let. So now that we've kind of got this grasp of heaven, it does affect us here now because yes, we do experience reward. We do experience peace. We do experience all these things. Yes. You know, we get to live life. We get to have fun and have a party. I we mean, do. we get to, you know, even kind of like Jeremiah in Babylon, go and live life, like eat good fruit. Right. <laughs> go and build your house. Like go and do these things that you would do. In a perfect world, back in Jerusalem, go do those things. And, you know, I think another uh, way that it affects, that heaven affects life here and now is it, it helps us, it, it makes us realize we can, and helps us to live life with courage. Yes. As well. 
because it, it's a reminder to us that this is not all there is. Right. And, and I and I, I when I think about people who are living life with this idea that this is all there is, I mean, how depressing should that be? Yeah. And would that be? To think that this is all there is? Right. That this life, and mentioning the, the rich and the famous and how how miserable they, they seem to be and, and unhappy they seem to be and broken they seem to be. Yeah. You know, because so many of them have bought into this lie from the pit of hell that this is all there is. Right. But yet when as believers we realize that that there's the best is yet to come. Right. Man, we we can face life no matter what life throws at us with courage here and yes. now. Yes. Just like those Chinese pastors back home that are leading their house churches and and living in constant fear of being arrested or worse, that that they can they can live life with courage because they realize that hey, this it this isn't all there is. Right. The best is yet to come. No, for in sure. Heaven. For sure. So Let's just keep diving into that reward. So let's keep diving into kind of what this reward looks like, feels like, smells like. Just continue yeah. along now that we've kind of got to take a pause and reflect on that. So we got through the first three chapters. And so tell us about chapter four. So like, I really loved this one. So Yeah, chapter chapter four, um, I'm just kind of scrolling back on my, on my computer here. Um, chapter four, I believe, is... Um, chapter five is heaven as reward. Yeah, so hit that one. So yeah, we're going to take a step yeah. back. <laughs> um, in fact, I, I I quote from Matthew five eleven through twelve where it says, "Blessed where Jesus said, Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for that." You know that Jesus Jesus said that when all this bad stuff happens to you, you can actually rejoice. Right. Be happy for that, for your reward right. is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets. Yep. Jeremiah, Je- Isaiah, yep. Micah, all these other prophets who were before you. Yep. Um, so we can actually rejoice in that um, because our reward is going to be great. Right. And then I just kind of write about the different types of reward that, seems, that Jesus seems to be pointing to um, in, in the gospel accounts. Um, he points us to the the reward of authority of being in charge. That somehow he doesn't doesn't elaborate, doesn't give us details, but but um, he gives us this picture that we're going to have authority, some type of authority in heaven. Um, and, and I write about how C.S. Lewis. And I love. I'm a C.S. Lewis fan. I don't know about you, but yeah, man, no, I, I do. Love, I love. He just, yep. He's just a genius he, yes. of a writer and a thinker and a theologian. Um, but I think C.S. Lewis hints at this and gives us a picture of this when, when in the Chronicles of Narnia, he pictures Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy as being kings and queens. King Edward, right? King Peter, Queen Susan, King, King Edmund, Queen Lucy. He pictures them as being kings and queens. And yes. And I think he, he correctly picks up on this idea of, of this reward of authority. Right, Jesus will give us one day in 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 heaven, and it's the authority to reign and rule with Him. Right, and again, He He doesn't flesh out what that's going to look like, but right. but He does say we, we're going to have authority, and it's the the reward of responsibility as well. Right, um, when in that that parable of the talents 
and the three servants, he says to that, to the first two servants, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Yep. And I feel like we forget, especially because really this is how the world is. The higher up you get, the less responsibility you have, Mm -hmm. which is why we see these celebrities uh, Christians fall flat on their faces because they burn. buy into that. Yeah, they forget that. No, no, no. When God, even now, when God elevates you, when God ex- exalts you to bring Him glory, mm-hmm. there's more responsibility, not yes, less. That's right. So even in, and it just shows even in our ultimate hope. Yes, it's not that we don't have to work anymore. Yeah. It's not that we don't have any more responsibility. Yeah. I mean, if we go all the way back to the garden before the fall. They were still called to tend over the garden, to have responsibility exactly over the garden. right. And heaven is going to kind of be a picture of that yep. back with what it was like in the garden, right, right. of having responsibility. And so he says, um, you've been faithful over a little. Now I will set you over much. Now, he doesn't say what that's going to be. He doesn't say yes. what that much is going to be, but he does say that. I will right. set you over much. I'll give you more responsibility. And for some people, you know, we, we kind of shy, shy away from responsibility back away. Oh, that's that you know, that's heavy. That's going right. to be a burden, but but the responsibility this added responsibility will have in heaven whatever that's going to look like is going to be a joy. Right. Not a burden. Right. And in fact, I, I write about that in this chapter as well, the reward of joy because in that again in that parable and what Jesus how he commends the two servants that that take their talents and make more talents, he says, enter into the joy of your master. Yes. So what that tells me is that that heaven is going to be this place of of joy. It's going to be the reward of, of joy, uh, of this, this undiluted, 100 proof, if you want to think of it like that, pure joy that's going to come to us in right. heaven. Um, yep. And again, we see that it's going to come, yeah. pure joy, comes with responsibility in that. So no, yes. I love how it's still like that's all connected in this reward. Yeah. 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 Because a lot of times we look at joy as the lack of responsibility. When in fact Jesus is going to give us more responsibility than probably any of us have ever had. Right. Like that more when it's perfect responsibility, it's not mean that we it's just a we have to do a little work mm-hmm. for a lot of reward, but it's gonna be something like we can't put it in the words, kind of like we talked about earlier. It's just yeah. that we're trying yeah. to describe the indescribable here. Exactly but. right. But we all know we all have a sense of what joy feels like. Yes. You, know? you can all you can think of examples of where you felt joy. Right. A birthday, an anniversary, a graduation. You know, there's there the in in any person's anybody who's listening to this. You know, you could probably think of some uh, example of where you felt some measure of joy. We just Multiply that a million fold. Right. You know, and that's what heaven's going to be like. There's just going to be this reward of, of pure, um, undiluted joy that's going to be, that we're going to, that's going to fill our, our, our lives because of what God has done for us in, in heaven. Right. Um, there's this, there's this one verse like, I, that just blows me away every time I read it. It's, it's in Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. 
And I think that's part of what what the joy of heaven is going to be like, to know that God is going to rejoice over us. Yes. God himself, in addition to wiping away all our tears, that verse says he's going to, He's going to rejoice over you with gladness. He's he's going to exult over you with singing, that God's going to sing over you. Yes. I mean, just imagine that. Yes. You know, and so just good. the joy of that, that yes, we're going to be worshiping him, but he's going to be rejoicing over us. For sure. So I think that's pretty yes, cool. Yes, that's amazing. Just to think about. Yeah. Because we never, yeah, we never think about it like that. Yeah. Like you don't hear many sermons no. on that verse in no, Zephaniah. No, we, we, we often think of, of, of God as this, this uh, uh, like a policeman, you know, that's out right. to get us and zap us or something. But, but in heaven, if you know Jesus, you know that, that one day in heaven, your real home, your eternal home, that God's going to rejoice over you. Just like that parable, you know, where Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant, enter mm. into the joy of your Lord. Yes, that's so good. And it's not, what blows me away in that verse is not our joy. Enter into your joy. Yes. It says enter into the joy of your master. Yes. It's his joy over us. Yes. He's rejoicing. He, he's, he's patting us on the, on the back. He's rejoicing over us. He's, he's cheering for us. God himself is going to be cheering. Well done, good and faithful servant. You made it. You did it. Well yes. done. Yes. Welcome home. Right. It's like that parable of the prodigal son, you know, where the father runs to his son that has broken his heart. Right. And yet the father rejoices over him. He's home. Yes. I've got my son back. Yes. And I feel like that's more hopeful than any yeah. thing of right. Like, yes, we do need to know how God meets us where we are. Yeah. Because, I mean, he will come visit you, Jeremiah says. So he's mm-hmm. going to come to you. Yes. Like he meet, and then ultimately in that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. He's with us now, like because also you see where God leaves Israel in Ezekiel. I'm pretty sure the Mm -hmm. tabernacle, pretty much presence. God rolls out of the tabernacle or the temple Uh and leaves, and it doesn't show him going to Babylon necessarily, but all of a sudden the stories after we see God working. in Babylon. Mm -hmm. So we picture that as all as one moment of, Oh, God's going to come with you. Then he's going to take you out in 70 years. It's going to be 70 years from now, but rather no, God's going to come to you in the midst of all this. Yeah. He's going to visit you. He's going to bring you peace and joy. And you're going to be able to see all that. Yeah. But eventually, no matter how long it is, yeah, he's going to bring you into his fullness. Yeah. And that's part of his plan, right? That goes back to that yes. verse, Jeremiah 29, Right. Where I know the thoughts that I have for you and the plans for you to give you a future and a hope. Yes. So, yeah, God has a plan. It may not be your plan. It may not be the nope. way you want it to work right. out. Uh, you may be 70 years in Babylon. Yep. Um, living in a pagan culture, but that's okay because I have a plan for you. Yep, because and, we have this reward. We have yes, this hope. That's right. And, and that's true for all of us, that God yes. has his, his plan. He has a plan for every. Every person that walks this earth yes. uh, and has a plan for good. It's a plan for to give each person a future hope. It's just up to us whether we want to live out that plan or not. Yep, because we can start 
Yeah. Taking these glimpses here and now. Exactly right. So exactly that's right. that's amazing. So and something else about the reward of, of heaven I've, I've also got to include is that's the reward of glory as well. Hmm. And I write about this a little bit in the in the first book, the way of Jesus. Kind of close um, that book with with um, a hint of this. And so I get to write a, a little bit more about this in chasing heaven. Is that the reward of heaven is going to be the reward of glory? Hmm. And I see that in Colossians 3, 4, that one chapter that, that kind of becomes the anchor of this book. Um, okay. But in verse 4, it says, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, the New Living Translation puts it this way, you will share in all of his glory. Oh, wow. Think about that. You will share in all of his glory. Wow. So what that tells me is that heaven is going to be... a. Uh, uh, the reward of heaven, part of that reward is going to be sharing the glory of Jesus. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't tell us what that's going to look like, obviously. Right. We don't know. But it it is kind of mind-boggling mind and mind-blowing to think that we're going to share in the glory of Jesus in some way. Wow. Yeah, no, that's—yeah, that's, again, not talked yeah. about. Right. I love that you're bringing this to light. And it's Just not so to take many away good from the glory of Jesus. I think it only amplifies his glory. Because I mean, yeah. the way I, I, I think of it is like a mirror. You know, if you right. if you hold a mirror up to the sun, the 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 brightness of that mirror is not in the mirror. No, it's in the sun. It's still right. in the sun, but right, it's right, reflecting right. the light of the sun. Right. right. And so it's just as bright, if right. not brighter. So my way of thinking of, of this is when Paul said that, that you're going to share in all of his glory. No, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to reflect the glory of Jesus. Right. And we're going to be made completely like Jesus, totally, finally like Jesus. And because of that, we're just going to reflect his glory. We're going to, mm. we're going to be these mirrors. Right. That in, 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 our, in our heavenly body, re- resurrected body, that we're just going to be, be able to reflect his glory and that's only going to add to his glory. Right. It's not going to take away at all. It's going to only amplify the glory of Jesus. Wow. We're going to be able to share. Yeah, for that. sure. These, these, for sure. These lowly dust bunnies that we are, man, we're going to share in the glory of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> dust bunnies. I like dust that. Bunnies. I like that's that. That's what we are. I like that. No, for sure. So, okay, that was great. So we're just going to uh, – we got some other – so we're going to skip that – was, that was perfect. So we're going to hop into – the, a lot. You said this was the hardest chapter yeah. for you to write. Of just heaven is the opposite of hell, yes. yeah. and especially today, you know, we had this moment where, you know, around the 1970s and 80s, where we were on the side of the pendulum of we just scared people to heaven, right? But now we've swung to the total opposite side of, okay, we don't even l- look. At hell, <laughs> look at hell at no, all. So, no. so I love that you're bringing, fleshing these out. That yeah. you're not, you didn't just, you know, you're writing a book on heaven, and you're gonna talk about hell in the midst of it. Yeah, so, I felt like I needed to because um, I just felt like the book would be incomplete if I didn't have something to say or a chapter just to, to to write about hell because you can't you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Right. Um, and I know that, that there are some people, even even in, the, in as believers, there are some people even in the church that want that, that want to discount hell or 
or or not even acknowledge that there is a hell. But right. But Jesus clearly taught. You can't escape the fact when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can't you can't escape the fact that Jesus had a lot to say about hell. For sure. Just you know, as he did about heaven, he had more to say about heaven, I believe, but he had a lot to say about hell as well. For example, in Matthew thirteen forty nine through fifty, Jesus said, "So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, again, a place, yes, like heaven is a place. Jesus is telling us here that hell is a place as yes. well. He said, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Mm. And so, if, again, when you look at passages like that, you ha- you have to acknowledge the fact that Jesus ha- had a lot to say about hell, that it's a real place. Uh, I write about the fact that it's a, it, Jesus tells us it's a prepared place. Right. Um, but the, the big difference that I, that I try to draw out is that it, it's a place that it's not prepared for us. Right, yeah. Originally, it was not prepared it, yeah, for not us. Yeah, not at all. Because in um, Matthew twenty five forty one, Jesus said, Then he will say to those on his left, the goats, different from the sheep, Depart from me, you curse it into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. So what that tells us is that hell, yes, it's a place, but it was not a place prepared for us. It was a place prepared for the, the devil and his angels. Right. Um, but But now... It's a place that those who choose to live without God find themselves in mm. for all eternity. For sure. And, and because Jesus said it's it's eternal, eternal fire prepared for the devil yep. and his angels. For all those who made the yeah. same mistake of thinking they could be God. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, right. no, that's... And and when when you just stop and think about hell as a place, you know, I, I write about how it's a place of torment. Um, um, you know that when he, when Jesus describes it as a place of where there's be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? You know what? To me, what that pictures, what that symbolizes, is that when you when you do something really dumb and stupid. What do you do? You go, oh, why did I do that? Uh, yes. That was stupid. Yes. You know, why did I, you know, have that fender bender or or why did I, um, whatever, fill in the blank. You know, it's when you realize you've just done something really, really stupid and you just grit your teeth. And, and to me, that's a picture of what Jesus is trying to describe hell is going to be like. Uh, a place of torment yeah. where you're really tormenting yourself. Right. And you're thinking, how could I have been so stupid? Right. I had all these chances, all these opportunities, you know, especially here in the West, in our, in our culture, in American culture, church just about on every block. Why? Why did I drive by that church Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, and never listen to the message? Mm. I think that's what Jesus is trying to describe there, where he describes hell as a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yep. So it's going to be a, a place of torment. I, I write about how it's going to be a crowded place. Um, Matthew seven thirteen through 14, Jesus said, the, um, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. Right. So that tells me that, that hell is going to be a crowded place. He said, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So there's going to be, 
you know, less in heaven that there's going to be. There's going to be many that are in hell, unfortunately. So it's going to be a crowded place. Right. Um, probably the the uh, to me the the hardest thought about hell, the most um, disturbing thought about hell is that I write about in the book is that it's a godless place because hell is going to be the only place where God is conspicuously absent. Wow. He's not going to be there. Right. In any shape, form, or fashion. Right. Here, here and now, what our listeners need to understand is that here and now, God is all around you. Right. Everywhere you look. In the flower that you see, uh, in the flower beds, to the newborn baby that you see in the, in the crib. Yep, that even the... To the sunset. The godless and the righteous experience the rain. That's right. But... The common ha- grace of God. Yeah, you, just... You, you, you see God everywhere you look. If you look, you know, if you open your eyes and care yes. to see... Everywhere you look, in the in the rainbow, in the sky, in the the, the summer thunderstorm that, that that waters the earth, that freshens the air. Everywhere you look, the tree that blooms, the 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 morning mist, the full moon that rises, the sunset as it as the sun is setting in the west. Everywhere you look, you see the handiwork, the artistry of God. But but what we see in hell, and what I understand about hell from what the Bible says is that he will not be there. Yeah, and that's the that's the ultimate punishment, punishment right? That's it's not the that, ultimate punishment. It's not that it's hot. <laughs> yeah, and, and we can have it's, that discussion whether, you know, it's a literal fire that Jesus is describing in hell or not, but 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 the ultimate punishment, the, the, the worst punishment of all is that God will not be there. Right. In any shape, form, or, or fashion. It's, you get what you ask for. Yeah. You wanted a life that it had no God in it. Well, you get what you asked for, and that's what I try to explain to people. Yeah, is that it's not a place where God is being mean of where no. He's just like it's what you've asked it's for. It's what you asked for, and people. What disturbs a lot of people in the Old Testament is it says that God hardened, let's say, Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, He just expedited the eventual. Yeah, we see that Pharaoh wasn't a good man. No, he <laughs> got what he was will, asking he, for. He got what he asked for. If he wanted to a go hard heart. Yep, he was. Yeah. He denied God over and over and over and over again. So God just expedited the process. And, and what you just said is exactly what C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Problem of Pain. Um, and, I, and I have this quote in the book. He, he, C.S. Lewis said there in this quote, he said, in the long run, the answer to all those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. And this is C.S. Lewis speaking here. He said, what are you asking God to do? To forgive them? They will not be forgiven. To leave them alone, alas, I'm afraid that is what he does. Oh, wow. Wow. That is what he does. Yeah. So So what we can say to that is that God doesn't send anyone to hell. You know, that's the big question. Why would God send people to hell? If if God is so loving and so kind and so so gracious, why would God send anybody to hell? I was going to ask you. He doesn't. I was going to ask you this. God doesn't send anybody to hell. You send yourself to hell. Oh, Wow. That is so good. And, and that's what C.S. Lewis was trying to get across there. What are you asking God to do, to leave them alone? Alas, I'm afraid that that is what he does. Yes. He leaves them alone. That it's just a place where God's like, okay, cool. 
Okay. You're you didn't you get what you want. You get yeah. Here's what you asked for. You don't for. want me. Fine. Here Good. it's it's the ultimate. You know how one day you know the revelation of John. You know he writes that we get the revelation of seeing the fullness and beauty and wonder of God, and that's right. what heaven will be like. Right. Well, here's your revelation of what God, what life without, without God, God. Totally, is like. Completely. Yep. Not total disconnection. Where. Yeah. You get what you, so no, that's beautiful. That is and, horrifying, and it is. And and to but, be honest, again, that was the hardest chapter to write. I, I, I struggled to write that chapter. I didn't want to write it. Um, and after writing it, I felt like, um, like um, man, it was just just a burden. And and I wrote it with 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 brokenness because I have family and I have friends. That unless something changes, you know that they may be there, right? You know, and so, I don't want that. No, nobody should want that, right? And so I wrote it with a broken heart, and for sure. So yeah, and so that's the bad news. Yep, that, part of the book. So I guess when I go into that a little bit, that a little bit more elaborate. So how do we almost process the? For those, because again, like you, I have from family and friends who, mm-hmm. at this point, if it all ends today, they will not, they'll be totally, live in total disconnection from God. So yep. elaborate on that a little bit more. For those who are asking that question of, well, why God, you know, because we have love and God yeah. loves them. And that's right. what I think people don't understand either, is that it breaks God's heart. Absolutely. To see this. So elaborate a little bit on where for people who are struggling with that themselves on this point of hell. Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to that point we just made that, that yes, God is a loving God. And because of, of his great love, he would never force himself on anybody. So for those who choose to live without God here and now, um, God's not going to force himself on them. Wow. God, as as I understand what the Scripture teaches us about God, God is a gentleman, and because of His love and His grace and His mercy, He never makes someone believe. He He'll never twist your arm. That's why and the tree of the knowledge, good and evil, was exactly in the garden. Right. When people exactly are like, right. "Well, why would God do that?" He gives us this incredible, this terrible and yet wonderful gift of the freedom to choose for ourselves. Right. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him, whosoever, there's the invitation that whosoever yes. believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So He gives us this terrible and yet wonderful freedom to choose for ourselves. Why? Because He loves us. Wow. And He loves us so much that He would even allow Him His own heart to be broken by allowing someone to choose hell over heaven. Yes, it's the same choice. It's, it's a, the same choice. It's a choice we get to see replayed over and over again throughout the Old Testament. Right. Which, and then in that darkness of the Old Testament, you know, I've, I'm starting on, first book isn't out yet, but I'm having a second one because right, I've already begun the second one because in the, I had a conversation with an, two rabbis in Mobile and both times where I kind of see where there is, where they conceded that there could be a Messiah, and it 
could have been Jesus. Oh, wow. Is the failure of, because, which they believe in some ways the Old Testament has been fulfilled through different ways, but where they did concede that there is the hope yes. of they could see where I'm coming from is the failure of all the kings of Israel and the people of Israel That's right. to ever experience those grandeur promises. That's right. Which I will say just to present their side fully, they do believe that because they still exist, mm-hmm. that they should have died, which I can agree. Yeah. Like Nero, I mean, he didn't only persecute Christians, he persecuted Jewish people who didn't believe in yeah. Jesus just as hard. That's right. That should have wiped them out. Yeah. Hitler should have wiped them out, but they still stand. Yeah. So just to present their point, I wanted to feel like I gave that. But they did concede of where they could see where I'm coming from. They see where people can see the hope of a Messiah. Mm-hmm. It's through that failure. Right. So I think that's almost a hope as well yes. for us today is that the existence of hell points us to the hope of heaven. That's right. That because we do have a choice to deny God. Mm-hmm. We also have the choice to believe in him. And it also points to the to the justice of God. Yeah. There has to be right and wrong. There has to right. be there has to be justice in order for you know, if God is truly God and for this universe to make any sense, there has to be justice. Right. And I think that's why there's a lot of confusion and backlash on this is because where we're in the cycle of history, because mm-hmm. I don't think it's the worst it's ever been. But I think we're on a very downside of the cycle. I'll, I'll right. give, yeah. I'll give anyone that. So when people say it's the worst it's ever been, I'm like, okay, we there's been a civil war, and uh-huh. there's been multiple things that I can promise you were probably a lot worse. Yeah. But in the cycle of that we're in in the modern history, we're on a very downside, and yeah. I think it's because the lack of a unified truth. Yes. And I think that's why people struggle with heaven. Yeah. So elaborate on that a little bit of like. So, finding this unified truth, because I think that's the important in this conversation of heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and also to touch on <laughs> this, this idea of justice, too. I mean, you mentioned things are, are bad, but, but imagine living in Eastern Europe during, during World War II. Right. When Nazi Germany, when the forces of Nazi Germany were rounding up Jewish people and sending them to Auschwitz. Right. You, you know, uh, imagine being in that culture. And and out of that, I mean, there has to be, if for God to be God, again, there has to be this sense of justice and moral rightness right. in the universe. <laughs> if not, you know, what's this really all about? You know, if, if right. there's not this sense of moral rightness, there has to be. Um, because... There has to be justice for those people who died. Yes. There has to be there has to be justice for Hitler. Right. And Nazi Germany, right? And right. all the forces that were behind that. Just terrible things, pagan things that were going on. Um and such loss of life. And so for there for there not to be hell, for there not to be a a a, a place where God's justice for moral rightness to be preserved, then it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So, so yeah, we, we want to cheer for heaven, but we want to ignore hell. We can't. 
Right, and preserve the justice of God, the moral rightness of God, and and today, you know, we there's a lot of thing, a lot of people talk about social justice, and so there's this sense with an innate sense within people today that there has to be right and wrong. Yes, there has to be a sense of justice, and so there is, and that's what we see in God. That that God can can be both just and the justifier of of those who are being saved. That he can maintain his his holiness, and yet at the same time, um, at the same time, um, provide justice to those who need justice. He he does that through heaven, through hell, mm. not out of sense of not out of sense of of um, being mean or unloving, but out of his love, out right. of his rightness, out right. of his justice, out of his righteousness. Providing the fact that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and and that's just my way of understanding it, you know. No, that's be- that's great. I think that's a no. I think understanding both and understanding in that framework, yeah, really yeah. helps. Yeah, centralize that for a yeah for people who just are struggling with that. I think that's a very great and way I, to put that and I get that struggle because nobody wants to think about it, yeah, nobody wants to talk about hell right think about it. I mean uh, for those who are listening, you know think think about was the last time you heard somebody preach a message about hell right or talk about hell we don't right you know we don't talk a lot about heaven as much either. you know when was the right. last time you heard somebody preach a, a sermon on on heaven but but especially hell, we just don't talk yeah, about that for much. sure. We don't want to, and rightfully so. Right. But Jesus never hesitated to talk about hell, right? Because it's a reality of life, for sure. So understanding that, let's go to the opposite side where you end the book. Yes, of where heaven is the place you want to be. Yeah, the 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 so last yeah. chapter goes back to well, the good news that heaven <laughs> is where you want to be, and um. <laughs> Because of what has preceded everything right. that we've talked about up to that and written about up to that point, you know, there's this, this place and place of reward, place of joy, place of life, um, of healing and and freedom from evil, and all the things that that that, the, that I write about in the book. That heaven is the place where you want to be, and, and I, I just kind of end the book with, well, how do you get there? You know, how do you how do you get to heaven? Is it is it um, by living a good enough life, um, when no one really can be good enough. Oh, come on! That's you know, so no, good. None of us can be good enough, right. right? To get to heaven, none of us can be that good. Um, so, how do we get there? And I just end the book by by pointing to a conversation that Jesus had with a um, a Jewish Pharisee named Nicodemus, mm. and Nicodemus. Um, you know, had it all. He was a he was a leader. He was wealthy, probably. He was he was influential. He was powerful. He was connected. He was he had all the he was successful. He had right. all of the the things that we would consider important today. Yes, he had it all. But he he came to Jesus in John chapter three, and um, he had this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus. Just cut to the chase with Nicodemus and said, right. you know, there's one thing you like. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, th- and that's where we have to leave it, you know, that, that you have to be born again. You have to have this, this personal relationship with Jesus. 
It's not about being good enough because none of us are good enough. We're all just right. broken, imperfect people, right? Absolutely. You can't be religious enough. You you can't be you can't be you know you you can't do enough good enough things to earn your way to heaven. No, the only way we get there, the only way we experience heaven, is by believing in Jesus. Um, you know, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me." Right. And I know that's you know exclusivistic kind of saying there <laughs> that that. Um, but that's what Jesus said. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're not saying that. The church is not saying that that Jesus is the only way to heaven. No, Jesus said that of himself. Yes. He's the only way. The for only sure. way. Um, and so it's not a problem. If you have a problem with that, you know, take it to Jesus. You know? Right. It's not it's not our problem, it's his problem. Because for that's sure. what he said of himself. He is the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Absolutely. And so out of that conversation that, that Jesus had with Nicodemus, of course, comes that later verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Um, and so it's all a matter of having that relationship with Jesus. And I, and I close the book with just a, a simple prayer that people can pray that, that if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, and I hope and pray that those who are listening have made that decision, but if you have it, you can just pray a simple prayer of something like, Jesus, I admit my need for you. I need you in my life. I ask you to forgive me of all the wrong and sin that I've done. I believe in you and accept your gift of new life that you've given to me at the cross. Make me into a new person. Save me. Help me to become more like you. That's beautiful. And that's a prayer that you can pray, you know, even Absolutely. right there where you're listening today. If, if you've made, not made that decision to follow Jesus, because he is the one who gets us to heaven. It's not sure. what we do or how good we are or how religious we try to be, how much church we try to get in. No, it's do you know Jesus? Wow. That's a phenomenal place to end it. So, Pastor Mike, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. Been fun. Yeah, no, it's been yeah, it's been great. No, I love musing like this. This is yeah. great. That's why I do. I really, just do this for me and about eight. You know, I think there's like eight people on average that listen to this a week. So, yeah. I guess awesome. Yeah. So, you know, well, kudos to the eight. Yeah. Well done, you guys out there. Thanks for listening. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we'll we'll definitely talk again. Always love when I get to talk to you. So sounds good. See you. Yeah. So peace Thank out, everybody.